And indeed, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening live here to Brands World on this Saturday, March 27th, 2021. I am your general manager of Black Squirrel Radio, Brandon Lewis. Folks, we have an absolutely packed show today at the 11 a.m. hour. Maddie A's from Sports 101 will be joining us. And when she does, we will have a historic milestone right here on Brandon's World for two reasons. Number one, Maddie will become the first ever female guest to appear on this show. And number two, for the first time ever, when Maddie A's appears on this show at 11 a.m., Brandon's World will have covered every single sports show this semester. Meaning at one point or another, a co-host, or according to their solo show, the foes, will have appeared on Brandon's World. And as the general manager of Black School Radio, I consider that to be a huge accomplishment. Let me also just say before we get started, we have a lot of stuff to get into today. There was some stuff that couldn't even make the show that was originally in the show rundown because of what happened yesterday in the National Football League. But next week, ladies and gentlemen, next week is the finale. I know, it's been a long time, it has been a long journey, but next week folks, right here, Saturday morning, 10 a.m., Brandon's World will be conducting its final broadcast on BoxGoRadio.com. Now, thanks to me and our wonderful programming director, Zach Max, here at BoxGoRadio, Radio, next week's show will be three hours long. We are letting every single senior and every single person that is not coming back to Black Squirrel Radio next semester for sure, like myself, go an extra hour for their final show this semester to get a taste of potentially a three-hour show in the future. Now, what that means for us is we will be going from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time next Saturday. So please make that programming note. Again, that will be Brandon's World will be live next Saturday from 10 a.m. to 1 o'clock p.m. Now, before we get into all the things going on in the NFL, and believe me, yes, folks, I'm still repping my Eagles, even though I think they made one of the worst decisions of the offseason yesterday. Before we get into that, folks, I know it's only 42 degrees outside in Kent, Ohio right now, but next week, next Thursday, five days from now, and approximately 24 hours from five days from now, the Indians will be taking the field against the Detroit Tigers as we begin the MLB 2021 season. So with that, and with spring training starting to wind down, and with the Indians starting to make some of their roster decisions, I decided today to go through and take a look at what I think will be the final 26-man roster for the Cleveland Indians come opening day, and what I think the MLB predictions will be for 2021. And even though I will not be on the radio after next week, you can still hold me to these standards. These are going to be my official predictions for the 2021 MLB season. But let's start with the Indians. Let's start with what I think the roster is going to look like on opening day. Now, in order to determine the 26-man roster, this is the route I went with. I did not go by, by position, per se. I didn't go, you know, first base, then second base, then third base, then shortstop, then outfield. I just went by lineup projection. I thought that that was the easiest way to do it. So let's take a look at the lineup next year that I believe the Indians will be putting out on the field next Thursday against the Detroit Tigers. 
I believe at second base, Cesar Hernandez will lead off. Cesar has been a great leadoff hitter last season for us, and I think he's going to continue that into this year for the Indians. Number two, I believe, and I apologize if I butchered this name. I probably butchered this name so many times on this show. But Andreas Gimenez, the shortstop we got in the Francisco Lindor deal, he has been tearing the cover off the baseball in spring training. I think he is a great fit for that number two hole right behind Cesar Hernandez. He has some power. He has some conduct. He's a lot like Hernandez in a way, and I think those two would be a great setup for Jose Ramirez in the free hole. Now, a lot of old-school baseball people say you bet your best hitter in the free hole, you know, right behind your cleanup hitter. I am not that old-school kind of way of thinking. You know, I like to mix it up between righty-lefty, righty-lefty contact power, so I'm not necessarily going to go, hey, let's put your best hitter in the free hole. If your best hitter's in, in the lead up, oh, it just depends on, you know, which way your lineup works every year, at least in my opinion. But I would put Jose in the free hole. Then at cleanup, I would put our new left fielder, Eddie Rosario. I know a lot of people, for some reason, don't think Eddie Rosario is going to have a good year here in Cleveland. But listen, folks, in Minnesota over the last five, six years, he has torn the cover off Indians pitching. We know how good Indians pitching is, and he's hit the best in his career at Progressive Field. Even if Eddie Rosario was only here for one year, he's a much-needed plug in that fourth O in the lineup, and he's going to be your everyday left fielder, so that position is filled. Now, number five, I believe that DH will be Fran Mill Reyes. Now, the funny thing is, when Fran Mill first got here, there was a lot of thought about putting him in right field, because he played that, obviously, in San Diego. But the thing here in the American League is, of course, that we have the designated hitter. And because of that, Fran Mill has rarely played the outfield. I don't think the Indians have any plans really to play him in the outfield. We'll see if that changes over the next couple of years because I believe he is uncontent. I repeat, he's not content at playing DH. I know that was from me was from when he first got here. He wanted to play the outfield. He was struggling to the designated inner position. Some people don't adapt to that at all, quite frankly, throughout their careers. So we'll see if Fran Mio can have a better year this year, again, with Jose and Eddie Rosario in front of him. Then behind Fran Mio Reyes, this kid, this young kid is a stud in right field. That is Josh Naylor, who of course we thought could play first base this year, but that ended up not working out, and I'm going to address first base in a second because I have a theory on that. But Josh Naylor, to me, is a candidate for breakout candidate of the year in this Indians lineup. Josh Naylor hitting behind Frontmill Reyes, to me, will do him wonders. Because you cannot pitch around Jose Ramirez, Eddie Rosario, and Frontmill Reyes. You're going to have to choose, which means Josh Naylor, who I think has a ton of energy. He brings a great spirit. To me, he's already a leader in the locker room, and he's going to platoon, I believe, in right field with Jordan Lupo. Of course, Naylor is a lefty. Lupo is a righty. That, to me, would make sense. You know, Naylor's still young. You can give him some days off against left-handed pitching. So that, to me, would make sense. But I think Naylor could be a stud and a steal for the Indians. I think he could be their breakout candidate this season. At number seven will be our new center fielder, Ben Gamble. Now, I heard about this Ben Gamble kid. I heard he's got some power. That's all I really know about him. 
But what shocked me the most about center field for the Indians is they pretty much said to both Oscar Mercado and Bradley Zimmer that they're not making the team. And, you know, my original prediction for this lineup was it was going to be Oscar Mercado. And then when they optioned Mercado, then I thought it was going to be Zimmer. Then they optioned Zimmer, so now you pretty much have to go with Ben Gamble. And again, I don't know much about Ben Gamble. I know he's got some power, so it'll be interesting to see. I don't know how fast he is on the bases. I don't know if he can steal bases, stuff like that. But it'll be interesting to see. If none of these center fielders work out for the Indians this year, that, again, as I've been saying all offseason here, is a position I expect the Indians to address at the trade deadline. Then number eight, I'm going to throw in Jake Bowers at first base. Now, as I mentioned, I have a, th- I, I have a theory about first base. Now, I was absolutely shocked and surprised that Bobby Bradley, of course, the young stud, did not make this Indians opening day roster. But as I said, this is what I believe. I believe the Indians want Jake Bowers to fail. And the Indians know that Jake Bowers cannot hit the ball. Jake Bowers cannot hit a ball of a dog from a meatball right down the plate. Okay, he just can't hit. The thing is, the question is, is Bobby Bradley ready defensively? Because we know Jake Bowers is a phenomenal defensive first baseman. He just cannot hit. So my theory is he's not going to be able to hit in Major League Baseball. He may get two hits over the first month of the season combined. Okay? He may start out the season over 42. And I think what's going to happen is the Indians, because remember, they got Jake Bowers in the Yandy Diaz trade. Now, Yandy Diaz has been excellent for Tampa Bay, but he's had injuries. And the Indians want to try to justify that by saying, okay, we did get at least somebody back in Jake Bowers. But the Indians are going to let Jake Bowers play the first month. He's going to stink. So they say, oh, we gave him a fair opportunity. Then they can cut him because Jake Bowers is is out of options. And that's the other thought with this. I believe if Bowers still had options, Bobby Bradley would be the opening day first baseman for the Indians. I don't believe this is about money. I believe that they just want to say that, hey, we could get a steal here in Jake Bowers. You know, he's a little better defensively than Bobby Bradley. You give Bobby Bradley another month or two to get his defense ready. And definitely by June and July and by the end of summer, Bobby Bradley will be a dominant fixture, I believe, in the seventh hole for the Indians lineup. So I wouldn't worry too much about Bobby Bradley. I think he's going to be there at the end of the year, especially in the summer. But just to start the year, my thinking is they have Jake Bowers there so that he can suck and they can just cut him. But they say, hey, buddy, we gave you a fair shot. And then obviously number nine will be the catcher Roberto Perez. So we have nine players down. Okay, nine. Now you have to look at the starting five. Now we know number one is Bieber and we don't know the order of the others, but we know three of the four. We know it's going to be Puizak, Aaron Savali, and Tristan McKenzie. Now the number five spot... For a while, I thought was going to be Cal Quantrill, the guy we got last year in the trade with San Diego. Now, I thought that Cal Quantrill was going to come in. He was motivated. He pitched pretty well at the start of spring training. I thought he was going to win the number five spot. Since then, he has deteriorated a lot in spring training, and the left-hander Logan Allen has shown so much promise. I know the Indians have been looking for a left-handed starter for years. It's been years since the Indians have had a left-handed starter at the bottom of their rotation. I believe that year is this year. I'm going to slot Logan Allen in that fifth spot so he makes the roster. So that's 14 players right there. 
Now you have to look at the bullpen. And this is what I believe the bullpen will be. I think the top, you know, three or four, five, six are pretty much already set. I believe James Karinczak, Emmanuel Quasse, Nick Wickren, Adam Portko, Oliver Perez, and Brian Shaw make the team. That is six. And yes, Brian Shaw is back. And in case you have not heard, he has officially made the team. I know a lot of people are upset. A lot of people didn't like Brian Shaw. Listen, Brian Shaw, when the Indians were in their World Series runs, which was the workhorse in that bullpen, he's going to be used sparingly, but he's going to be used to get big outs. And we know Terry Brink on a watch Brian Shaw, and he's going to use him effectively. Oliver Perez makes the team because he's a left-handed specialist. Adam Plutko makes it out of the bullpen because he can be your sixth starter, your long reliever. And as I mentioned, the battle between Aaron Jacquaze and Wickren, as I've been talking about, it's been very interesting the way they use those guys. All three of them are going to make the team. The question is going to be who closes. I think early in the year it could be a by-committee situation because you have to make sure that Karinczak and Kwase can control their fastball and the breaking ball. If they can do that, I think one of these two takes over the closure position. But don't be surprised if Nick Wickren, who has been an out machine over the last couple years, comes in and potentially gets some closures for the Indians early in the season. The other two that I think make it will be Phil Maton and Trevor Stiven, a young kid that, that we got in the minors who has been making some impressions on the Indians in spring training. So that is 22 people. And by the way, just a quick note, Cal Quantro to me goes from making the fifth starting rotation spot to potentially starting the year in AAA. Talk about a fall from grace in spring training. So you take a look at that. You, you got your bullpen down. You got your lineup down. You got your starting pitching down. That's 22 people right there. So that leaves four people for, for your bench. And 25 of the 26 spots, and really 26 of the 26 spots have already been filled. Austin Edges will make the roster because you need a backup catcher. Jordan Lupo will make the roster because you need a backup outfielder. As I mentioned, I think he's going to platoon with Naylor. Yu Chang, they've already announced, has made the roster. And he's going to be your utility guy in the infield. Now, the reason why I wasn't sure about Yu Chang is because of Ahmad Rosario and Mike Freeman. And they ended up trading Mike Friedman to Cincinnati. And I was surprised by that because I would think that they would want a veteran there. And that's why I didn't think Yu Chang would make the roster. But Ahmad Rosario has essentially changed from shortstop to the outfield. Now, he can still play shortstop, second base, etc. But the Indians have been playing him a lot in center field. His first game there did not go well. He had three errors. Shane Bieber was on the mound. I know Bieber gave him some confidence. But the reason why the Indians are playing Ahmad Rosario in center field is because, again, they don't trust Oscar Mercado. They don't trust Bradley Zimmer. I don't even know they 100% trust Ben Gamble. So center field is the position of worry this year for the Indians. But again, that's what I believe the roster comes down to. I think it's a very easy decision when you take with this roster. I know that there was a lot, a lot of tough decisions that Terry Francona and crew had to make. However, I think this roster makes sense. And again, the Indians will make some moves throughout the season. I believe that Bobby Bradley will be up. I believe that we will see Al Quantro at some point, along with many others from the minor leagues. So that's the Indians lineup. Now let's take a look at my official 2021 MLB predictions. In the AL East, I have the Yankees winning the AL East. 
Right behind them, I have the Rays, then I have Toronto, then Boston, and I have Baltimore in fifth. In the AL West, I have the Astros. Yes, the cheating Astros that are going to get booed throughout the season. I have the Astros winning the AL West. Right behind them, I have the A's, the Angels, the Manitors, and the Rangers, who just went out stink. The Rangers may be the worst team in baseball. Now, you take a look at the NL East, because I'm going to do the AL Central West. So what about the NL East? This is a very tricky division to pick. I think besides the NL Central and the AL Central, it is the toughest division to pick in all of baseball. But I have the Mets with Francisco Lindor, and they're spending, you know, tree and all of that. I have them winning the NL East. Right behind them, I have the Nationals. Then I have the Phillies. Then I have the Braves, and I have the Marlins falling back to fifth like they were last year. I think they, you know, the 60 games last season was kind of fluke. I have the Marlins right back to where they belong in fifth. Now, in the NL Central this year, I have the Brewers, I have the Cardinals, I have the Cubs, I have the Reds, and I have the Pirates. I don't think the Reds are going to be as good as last year. The Cardinals and Cubs are always good. And I believe that after a 60-game season that was just a struggle last season, Milwaukee bounces back, and the Brew Crew takes over the lead in the NL Central. And in the NL West, I have it going Dodgers, Padres, D-backs, Rockies, and Giants. So, let's get to the AL Central. Now, the injury to Eloy Jimenez is a huge one. The outfielder for the White Sox. It is huge for the White Sox. As a matter of fact, I think that maybe the difference of them being the favorite in the AL Central to potentially being third in the division. That's how huge I think his injury is. I don't think the Indians have enough to overtake Minnesota. So I will have Minnesota first, the Indians second, White Sox third, Detroit four, Kansas City five. So that is my standings this year for the American League Central. Again, I repeat, I have the Indians finishing in second behind Minnesota. Now, when I go to my playoff bracket, I am going to make some reservations about what I think these standings could change. So, in the American League, I believe the Yankees take the top spot in the American League. I believe that they will have home field advantage throughout, and I think that that makes sense. I also think the Yankees could have home field advantage throughout the entire MLB playoffs. They may have the best record in baseball this year. Number two, I believe, will be the Astros. Number three, then, I think will be Minnesota. I think the Indians do make it as a wild card team, and I think that they will face the Rays in Cleveland for the wild card round. Now, to my knowledge, and I looked this up to make sure, the MLB playoff expansion was only for last year, so they are not doing an 18 an 18 playoff for each league. Excuse me. We are back to a five-team league. The three division winners with the two wild card teams. So that's the standings I have. If it changes before the season. I will make any adjustments. But I have the Indians hosting the wild card round against the Rays in a 2013 rematch. In that wild card game, I have the Indians overtaking the Tampa Bay Rays to take on the New York Yankees. Now, I do believe that the Indians will fall to the Yankees. So I don't think the Indians get past the divisional round. I think the Yankees could win that potentially in three games in a sweep or even four games. I don't think the Indians match up that well with the Yankees. But with this young team, I think that will be a hell of a accomplishment for Terry Francona and crew to make the playoffs. Now, I believe the Astros will defeat the Twins in the divisional round. So that will set up number one versus number two. 
I know. Yell at me if you want, but I believe that the arc here for the American League Championship is Yankees-Astros, and I believe that the Yankees will win the American League and represent the American League in the World Series. Now, let's go to the National League because this is where things get juicy. Number one seed, I believe, will be the LA Dodgers. The number two seed, I believe, will be the New York Mets. The number three seed, I believe, will be the Milwaukee Brewers. That leads to the, to the wild card. Now, as we know, in the National League, it's a lot more competitive in the wild card race than the American League. But I think the Padres and the Cardinals make it. Don't ever underestimate the Cardinals, and I'm going to show you why. I believe that the Cardinals will defeat the Padres in the wild card round. Now, I believe one of three things will happen. One of these teams this year will flop on their face. The Angels, the Mets, and the Padres. I believe the Mets and the Padres both could flop on their face. I'm going to stay safe and say that the Mets are the best team in the National League. The Padres are still the second best team in the National League West. But I've never loved the idea of spending money in baseball. You look at the Nationals. They got rid of Bryce Harper two years ago. It was a struggle at first. They were under 500 in July, folks. And they won the World Series without making any significant moves at the trade deadline. And why is that? Because they got hot at the end of the year. Because they trusted their veterans. They had a lot of depth because they didn't end up pay Bryce Harper 13 years, whatever that is, $400 million. It's just insanity. So I have always trusted the Nationals organization. I think they've always been a good organization. And I don't know if the spending spree by the Padres and the Mets are going to work out. But right now I have them safe. I have the Mets winning the National League East. I have the Padres in the wild card spot. But I believe that one of those two teams could fall on their faces. Especially if Francisco Windor struggles in New York. Which, by the way, I think he will. So... In the divisional round, I have the Cardinals upsetting the number one seed Dodgers. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on the defending World Series champions. I don't think they're going to be able to handle the pressure. I think last year for the Dodgers was kind of COVID years, 60 games. They kind of got lucky. They had the best roster. They didn't have to face the Yankees in the World Series. So I think that this year the Dodgers come back to order. They come back to choking in the playoffs. And the number five seeded Cardinals advance to the NLCS, and they will be taking on, I believe, the number three seed Brewers, because I believe that then the Mets will choke in the playoffs. So we have an NL Central rematch in the NLCS between the Cardinals and the Brewers, and I do believe the best small market team in all baseball, the St. Louis Cardinals, get back to the World Series as a wild card. And this is not unprecedented. We've seen it for other when the wild card, the two wild card team rule has been instituted by baseball back in 2013. There's been a lot of wild card teams make the World Series. Of course, you remember the Giants Rays World Series, both wild card teams made it. Excuse me, the Giants Royals World Series, both were, were wild card teams that year. So this is not unprecedented. But I do believe, folks, that at the end of the day, my World Series champion for 2021 will be the New York Yankees. They spend the most money. They add the most depth. They have really good starting pitching. They're going to be a very hard team to beat. I think the Yankees walk away here in 2021 as your 
World Series champions. As much as I hate to say, as much as I wish the Indians were holding up the Commissioner's Trophy at the end of the year, I don't think it's going to happen. So those are my official 2021 MLB predictions. Again, I think the Indians finished second in the division. The Indians, to me, are the most underrated team in all of baseball, in my opinion. You know, a lot of people think that they're going to be down this year because they don't think that they are going to have the inning, as I just mentioned to you, any Rosario, Fran Reyes, Jose Ramirez, Josh Naylor, you know, Cesar Hernandez, Andre Gimenez. The only thing I'm worried about for the Indians, the bottom of the lineup, I think their pitching will do well. Let's just pray and hope that these young arms don't get tired come August and September. And I think the Indians can make a run and at least make it to the divisional round of the MLB playoffs. All right, well, coming up next after we take this short break, folks, yesterday was a wild day in the National Football League, and it was a bad day for me as a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I'm going to break that all down. Plus, we have Matty A's coming up at the top of the hour to talk all things Cleveland sports, and at the end of our show today, I'm going to rank the top 10 events of the year. All that and more coming up next right here on Brand's World. Get hungry, listeners, because Plugstore Radio will be hosting a Chipotle fundraiser on Wednesday, March 31st. That's right. That is this Wednesday, coming up March 31st. Chipotle Mexican Grill serves fresh food all day. But make sure it's seven from 4 to 8 p.m. I repeat, that's 4 o'clock to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at the location on East Main Street in Kent. Now, I have to specify here, this is only for the A's Main Street in Kent, Ohio. If you are not in Kent, Ohio, this will not work. So, make sure to mention Boxcore Radio at checkout. You can also order pickup from the Chipotle mobile app using code 86C3HQT. Again, that is code 86 c 3 HQT for pickup orders on the Chipotle mobile app. And again, I stress this is only at the East Main Street in Kent location. We promise it will be music to your mouth. Remember not to skip the chips and keep it locked, of course, right here on BlackSquirrelRadio.com. All right, ladies and boys and girls, children of always, welcome back in here to Brands World on this Saturday, March 27th, 2021. It is a cold 42 degrees outside for the end of March, but yesterday in the National Football League, oh, did it heat up big time because we had two big trades going down that dealt with the NFL draft. So, the Miami Dolphins moved back from number three to number six in the draft. The Philadelphia Eagles, my team, moved back from number six to number 12. Are you freaking kidding me, Allie Roseman? And the San Francisco 49ers, a very smart and well-run organization, moved up from number 12 to number three. Here are the terms of the trade, folks. Miami, they they get the number six pick in the draft. They get a third round pick from San Francisco in this year's draft. And San Francisco's 2022 and 2023 first round picks. They also get the number 156 pick in this year's draft from the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, they gave up the third pick, number 123 overall, and their own 2022 first-round pick. So they don't have their own 2022 first-round pick, but they still will have a first-round pick because it belongs to San Francisco. Now, San Francisco, they move up to number three. 
What did they give up? Boy, did they give up a lot. They gave up the 12th pick, a third-round pick this year, and two first-round picks, 2022 and 2023. That is a lot, in my opinion, to move up nine spots. There must be a quarterback San Francisco likes, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. Now, my Eagles. My Eagles moved back from number 6 to number 12. They gained an extra first-round pick next year, and they get the number 123 overall pick, which will be in the fourth round this year. So they gain an additional fourth round pick this year, but they swap it out for the number 156 pick, which, as I said, they gave up to Miami. Now, the most troubling report out of all of this is reportedly the Eagles were trying to move up just from number six to number three with Miami to get Zach Wilson, the quarterback out of BYU. But they realized the Jets are going to probably take him at number two, so they had no shot. So they just decided to move back. Oh, my God. Ugh. So when this news broke yesterday at about 1.30 in the afternoon, our friends from As The Mike, Sean Fitzgerald, and Orlando were live right here on the air at BuckScoreRadio.com. And um, at about 1.45 after the news digressed, because I was working on homework, I called in, and oh my God, I, I still... Cannot believe the thought process. As a matter of fact, about five minutes before I called in, about five minutes before the, I found out that the Eagles shredded back from number six to number 12, I said, oh my God, this is great news for the Eagles. Okay, so San Francisco moves up from 12 to 3. I said, that's great. They're going to. Now, my original thought was, are they really going to move up to take Jamar Chase? Because Adam Schefter came out and said, hey, San Francisco's Jimmy Garoppolo is still going to be their starter. They're not intent on taking a quarterback. So my thought was, are they really going to move up and take Jamar Chase? Then it came out the terms of the deal and how much they gave up. Obviously, two first-round picks and a third. And I said, nah, they're taking a quarterback. I think that they are going to take Trey Lance, and I think that is a smart decision. Trey Lance is going to succeed so much in San Francisco. You know he's my second favorite quarterback coming out of the draft. Next is Trevor Lawrence, so I'm excited to watch the Niners in the next couple of years because I don't think he's going to play next year. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play most of the year. Stink. They're going to groom you know, uh, Trey, Trey Lance, excuse me, and then he's going to come in uh, in two years from now, in my opinion, like Patrick Mahomes did for Kansas City and light up the week. But that's not the hero there. So when I heard of that, that San Francisco went from Toronto to France, I said, oh my God, this is going to be great for Philadelphia. Because in my opinion, Atlanta is not drafting a quarterback. Everybody that thinks Atlanta's drafting a quarterback, I don't get it. Matt Ryan is not the problem for the Falcons. The Falcons have weapons. They have a quarterback. They have a running game. They don't have a defense at all. So Atlanta may end up trending back. We'll see because there may not be a good enough defensive player for They may take an offensive lineman. But, and then you consider Cincinnati. They're going to take an offensive lineman at five. So I thought, oh my God. God caught me a break. After everything Howie Roseman did this offseason, pretty much running Doug Peterson out of town, taking away Carson Wentz, trading him away to the Colts for basically nothing, I thought, oh my God, God gave Howie Roseman a break. Kyle Pitts, the tight end of Florida, or Jamar Chase at number six from LSU, they are sitting there for the taking. May I repeat, they are sitting there for the taking. And you, oh, oh, oh my God, this hurts so much. And you trade back. Oh, well, we get an extra first round pick next year. 
Who gives a rip? Why is it going to matter when Jalen Hurts has nobody to throw the ball to? And on top of it, oh, and on top, on top of it, I'm about to have a meltdown on air. On top of it, a report came out that you wanted to turn up to number three so you could pick Zach Wilson. What does that tell you they believe in Jalen Hurts? By the way, before all this trade went down, I made an appearance on Austin Arnold's show, What Get It Straight, this past Thursday, which of course airs from 4 to 6 p.m. right here on BugsGoRadio.com. And we talked about it, and I said, you know, with these rumors with the Deshaun Watson stuff coming out, and now, as we know, obviously, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with that that I'm not going to get into because it's going to take months to sort out. But the rumors of the Eagles were interested in Deshaun Watson. What does that tell you what they think about Jalen Hurts? I also read a report, and this report I totally believe because I actually felt the same way. After Jalen Hurts won the game against the Saints last year, the Eagles in the building said, we want to go with Jalen Hurts, let's trade Carson Wentz. After Jalen Hurts struggled the next three games, they said, okay, let's fix Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts ain't it. Now they go, eh, you know what, let's try to get Deshaun Watson, let's try to get Zach Wilson, nah, that's not going to work, so let's just go back to Jalen Hurts. This team, folks, has no plan. And let me ask you this. How is Nick Sirianni, the new head coach in Philadelphia, how is Jalen Ertz supposed to be successful? His number one best outside target next year right now is Greg Ward. Greg Ward, a former college quarterback at Houston, who only worked with Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz is more talented than Jalen Hurts. Greg Ward is not a good receiver. Oh, well, what did the Eagles trade for Nikhil Airy? Because I've seen that rumor, and believe me, Howie Rosen would do it. Why? Because Howie Roseman sees him, and he goes, well, he's a first-round pick. He must be good. Nikhil Airy cannot separate from a pillowcase. Just like Travis Fongram cannot separate from a pillowcase after week 12 last season. Greg Ward cannot separate. He's only good in zone coverage. What is Jay? Oh, well, we have Dallas Goddard. Great. You know how you're going to play the Eagles next season? You're going to play cover one safety. Take the linebacker and take your free safety. Double team Dallas Goddard in the middle of the field. Let Jalen Hurts run around. You might as well run a speed option every play. This might as well be a college offense because we have no wide receivers. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me when Paul Ains was here at Kent State and they refused to throw the football. It reminds me of the days when Dean Pease was the head coach and Josh Cruz was the quarterback at Kent State. We did not throw the football. The Eagles aren't going to be able to throw the football next year. We have no receivers. Well, Brandon, what about Devontae Smith? What about him? The Heisman Trophy has never meant a damn thing to me. Never. It's very rare that a Heisman Trophy winner is successful in the National Football League. Very rarely see it at the wide receiver position. And I believe that Jamar Chase is a far and better above talent than Devontae Smith. Remember last year when everybody said the number one can't-miss prospect is Jerry Judy. How did Jerry Judy look in Denver last year to you? Did he look like a bust? Because he looked like a bust to me. You know why? Because Alabama receivers aren't that good. You think Amari Cooper? Remember Amari Cooper was drafted number five, number six overall? You think Amari Cooper was worth it? Nah, I don't think he was. So you know what? I'm going to say that Devontae Smith isn't going to live up to his potential. And Howie Roseman will once again pass on an LSU wide receiver.
Now, Howie Roseman's fall from grace is amazing, folks. This guy went from a very, very good general manager, a wheel and dealer, a guy that knew how to manage the salary cap and was a genius, to a great general manager that built a great team in 2017 that looked to be the next dynasty in the National Football League, and I am damn serious about that. And other Eagles, folks, we are the laughing stock. We are a joke of the National Football League, and I know what you're thinking. Brandon, this is karma. For all the years you made fun of the Browns and Freddie Kitchens and Hugh Jackson and you had a great coach at Doug Peterson, this is karma. You're right. It is. I cannot deny it. Now, in my opinion, the team that got hurt the most by yesterday's move was the Carolina Panthers. Because if you take a look at the NFL draft order now, this is the way it goes. You got the Jacksonville Jaguars at number one. We know they're taking Trevor Lawrence. And, the, and as I have said over the last couple of weeks, the people that doubt Trevor Lawrence as a prodigy in the National Football League are people that are just sick and tired of talking about him. We did this about Andrew Luck. Remember there was some debate on, hey, should they take RG3? No. Take Andrew Luck. He's amazing. You take Trevor Lawrence. He's amazing. He's going to change life in Jacksonville when they get a good coach. Depends on if Urban Meyer can coach or not. If he can, that division's very tough. But they could very well finish second in a year from now. But we will see. Number two will be the Jets. Now, this is where the draft gets very interesting. Because now we all think the Jets are taking Zach Wilson. But the interesting part is going to be, what if they don't? What if they shock the world and take either Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts or Devontae Smith or whoever? What if that happens and they stay with Sam Darnold? I doubt it, but the draft could get very interesting at that point. Number three, San Francisco. I already mentioned, I think they take Trey Lance out of North Dakota State, and I'm very excited. I think he's the second-best quarterback in the draft. Number four is Atlanta, and as I've already said, Atlanta does not need to take a quarterback in my eyes. I think Matt Ryan's going to do a very good job with Arthur Smith next year. So then this leads you to the rest of the draft order. At number eight is pretty much your best chance to trade at that point, and that's with Carolina, and you're not going to trade in the division. So this is where I said Carolina a little bit got screwed. Because Carolina, by the way, Carolina did not deserve to get screwed. Carolina... Needs a quarterback. They, Teddy Bridgewater is not the long-term answer for them. But Jacksonville is taking Trevor Lawrence. The Jets are potentially taking Zach Wilson. We know the Niners are taking a quarterback, so that's already three quarterbacks gone. Atlanta, you're not trading within the division of Carolina. Now, the number nine team behind Carolina, Denver, needs a quarterback. Denver has all the pieces in the world, folks, on offense. They don't have a great head coach in Vic Vangio, in my opinion, and that may hold them back like Justin Herbert uh, last year and, and Anthony Wynn for the Chargers. But I think that Denver has all the offensive pieces in the world to make a quarterback successful. So Denver and Atlanta could make a deal. Atlanta could trade back to nine, get a corner, which they desperately need. And then you could have Denver leapfrog Carolina. So at that point, if you're Carolina, what do you do? And that's where I think potentially Carolina could make a deal for Sam Darnold. For the Jets, you get Sam Darnold out of the AFC. Sam Darnold does not perfectly fit Matt Rule's system. I understand that. But if they are looking to move forward from Eddie Bridgewater, I think Darnold may be their only option. Because if you take a look, if Zach Wilson, you know, Trevor Lawrence, 
you know, uh, Trey Wayne's go off the board. The wise remaining quarterback, to my knowledge, in the first round is Justin Fields. You can make a case for Mac Jones out of Alabama, but I don't think he's worth that high of a pick. So, that's where to me, if Atlanta moves with Denver, because Denver now has some real efforts, because Drew Locke is not in a quarterback. So Denver's going to draft the quarterback, I believe. They have to get in front of Atlanta, because Cincinnati's not going to make a deal. Cincinnati needs an offensive lineman. They're going to take an offensive lineman at number five. Miami, we know at number six now, is going to take a skill position player. Detroit, I mean, you never know. Detroit could take a quarterback at number seven. So it's going to be very interesting there to see how this works. Now, the other team that this deal affects is New England. Because as we know, and as I've talked about over the last couple of weeks, New England signed Cam Newton to a one-year $14 million deal. And I believe that was the worst contract given out this whole free agency. I think Cam Newton may be the worst quarterback in the whole National Football League, including the guys at college that have never played a snap in the National Football League yet. Because I don't believe Cam Newton has an arm left. And I don't think you can win a game with just tight ends. New England still doesn't have an outside threat of receiver. Oh, they got Kendrick Bourne and they got Nelson Aguilar. Again, I don't think they can separate man-to-man coverage. New England's in a very similar situation like Philadelphia. They have great tight ends. New England's got two. The Eagles now only have one because Zach Ertz is not going to be on the team. But if they don't do something in quarterback, they're going to be stuck. Mag Jones, if Mag Jones falls to them, take him because I think Mac Jones could fall to New England but who knows Mac Jones now could potentially go in the top 10 there's a lot of movement here and we very rarely see New England move up in the draft if this is the year to do it it is the year this year to do it we'll see if they can pull the trigger on that but you know with with all this draft talk going on uh free agency has just pretty much ended at least the first big wave of free agency And so, as I said last week, I believe at this point now, you can start planning for next year. I do believe at this point, we have an idea of what the standings are going to look like for next year's NFL season. So, let me take, you know, 10 minutes here or so and break this down. When you take a look at next year's NFL season, I don't believe the draft changes your world. I think it could in two to three years, but for this upcoming NFL football season, I don't think the draft necessarily changes life for your team. Even if you get a star quarterback like like Trevor Lawrence, even if you get a stud like Jamar Chase, I don't know if for one year that necessarily changes the needle. It may help you win a game or two there, but for the most part, free agency is how you build your roster and get better throughout the year. The draft is more for death purposes, I believe. So, in last place, this is the way I broke down these divisions. You have to figure out who's going to be in last, who's going to be in first. And then from there, it's all the teams in the middle, and that's where it gets tricky. But we pretty much know who's going to be in last place in each division, I believe. In the AFC East, it's going to be the New York Jets. In the AFC West, it's going to be the Denver Broncos. In the AFC North, it's going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. In the AFC South, it's going to be the Houston Texans. In the NFC East, it's going to be my Philadelphia Eagles. In the NFC West, I think it's going to be the San Francisco 49ers. In the NFC North, it's going to be the Detroit Lions. And in the NFC South, it's going to be the Carolina Panthers. In the East, it doesn't matter you know, whether it's Sam Darnold or Zach Wilson. I think the Jets are too far behind Miami and New England to compete. 
Denver, we already know they have the fourth worst quarterback in the division. Pittsburgh, they have the fourth worst quarterback in the division. Houston, Deshaun Watson, that whole thing is a mess. Who knows, you know, what's going on with Deshaun Watson? Who knows if he's going to be in jail, if he's going to be a Texan, if he's going to be somewhere else. That team's a mess. They're going to be fourth in their division behind Jacksonville. The Eagles have no idea what they're doing. They're pretty much tanking the year. They're going to be in last place. I cannot pick Russell Wilson to be in last place in a division if he's staying in T.O., so that's why I'm going to go with San Francisco. Again, I don't think Trey Lance plays this year for the Niners. I do believe that Jimmy Garoppolo plays. They struggle. They get a better draft pick next year. Then Trey Lance comes in and lights the world on fire. Detroit is obviously in the north, and then Carolina obviously in the south. So that's your last place teams. I don't think that that's too hard to figure out. I don't think that's going to change that much. No, you take a look at your first place teams. I still think Buffalo is head and shoulders above New England in the AFC East. In the West, we know it's Kansas City. In the North, it's a toss-up between the Ravens and the Browns. In the South, it's a toss-up between the Colts and the Titans. I think the Colts are going to take that leap, by the way. In the East, I've been saying this the last couple of weeks, I think it's going to be the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East because they're the only team that we know right now all 16 games, unless he gets hurt. Dak Prescott is going to be the starting quarterback. I'm not sure that the Giants believe in Daniel Jones, and we all know Ryan Fitzpatrick will probably not play all 16 games for the Washington football team. In the NFC West, it's a toss-up, I believe, between the Cardinals and the Rams. As I've been saying over the last couple of weeks, I love the moves that Arizona has made. Ronnie Hudson, A.J. Green, J.J. Watt, and Kyle Murray, DeAndre Hopkins. If Cliff Kingsbury can coach, this could be a very dangerous team. I think Green Bay controls the NFC North, and I think Tampa Bay will be even better in the South, and they control the NFC South and are one of the best teams in the National Football League next year. So there's your first place teams. Again, Bills, Kansas City, Dallas, Green Bay, Tampa. Five of the eight teams we know are going to make first place. The other three battles, AFC North, AFC South, NFC West, the teams that don't win the division are going to make the playoffs. So what that tells me then is you take a look at the AFC, and this is what I believe is going to happen. I believe that Buffalo will finish first in the AFC East. Again, as I mentioned, Kansas City will win the AFC West. Between the Browns and the Ravens, you can make a debate for the AFC North. And the Colts and Titans, you can make a debate for the South. Again, I think the Colts are going to take over the South. And for the record, I think the Browns do win the AFC North next year with these additions they made on defense and the Watson Matthew Judon for Baltimore. So when you look at that, I believe that your four division winners... And then when you take with the wild card round, obviously the person that doesn't make it out of the north and doesn't make it out of the south will be a wild card team. And then the seventh team, I believe, will either be New England or the Chargers. I don't think the Raiders are there yet. I don't think Miami is there yet. I don't think Cincinnati is there yet. So there's third place teams I just don't think will cut it. So I think you take we're gonna battle between the Patriots and the Chargers, and I would take the Chargers because I don't think, again, New England's going to be as successful with Cam Newton. So I think Justin Herbert, Brandon Staley, and the Chargers, I think they do make the playoffs next year right behind Kansas City in the AFC West. So my seven playoff teams next year in the AFC are, again, Buffalo, Kansas City, the Browns, the Ravens, the Colts, the Titans, and the Chargers. Out of all of those seven teams, 
the only team that did not make it last year that would make it in my projection is the LA Chargers. So the AFC is going to be very tough. As you guys know, I have already chalked up that I believe that the first round pick that the Eagles will get from the Colts for the Carson Wentz trade at best will be number 31. Because I believe that the Indianapolis Colts, who just re-signed T.Y. Oden for agency, I told you guys that was the move I would make. They brought back T.Y. Oden. They have Michael Pittman. They have Jonathan Taylor. They have Jack Doyle. They could even add Zach Ertz, which would make them almost the favorites, I believe, in the AFC. Almost over Kansas City and Buffalo because of how good their defense is. And... You know, I think the Colts do make it out of the AFC as your AFC representative in the Super Bowl. Let's go to the NFC. So, as I mentioned, I believe that in the NFC East, Dallas makes it out of it. Now, in the NFC West, it's a battle between the Cardinals and the Rams. I would favor the Cardinals over the Rams right now for one reason. I think Kyle Murray is a better quarterback than Matthew Stafford, and I do not trust Matthew Stafford. The Rams may have a better team and talent on paper, but I think Kyle Murray and the Arizona Cardinals, who two years ago were the most fun, bad team to watch in the National Football League. That team last year was Cincinnati, by the way. But the most bad, fun team to watch two years ago was Arizona. Last year, they took off. Kyle Murray carried me to a fancy championship title alongside DeAndre Hopkins. I think they build on that this year. With the addition of Ronnie Hudson on the offensive line. With Isaiah Simmons coming into forward form. J.J. Watt is there now. I already mentioned A.J. Green. You know, you still have Christian Kirk. So I think Arizona's receiving court is good enough. And I think that they will win the NFC West. I mentioned Green Bay in the north. And then Tampa Bay in the south. So then the wild card in the NFC is a little more tricky. Because I do think that Arizona and the Rams do get one of those spots. And then you take a look at a battle for six and seven between four teams. I believe that Seattle, because I do not discount them without Russell Wilson. I never count out Russell Wilson. He's never had a bad year in Seattle. I think the year he was bad, he went nine and seven or something like that. No matter the dysfunction, I think Russell Wilson will carry the Seahawks to success. So you add that. Plus the Minnesota Vikings, who I think will be better. Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, they are always in contention alongside Dalvin Cook. If they can fix that defense, which Mike Zimmer is a defensive mind, if they can fix that defense, I believe that the Vikings can make a run of the playoffs. Now, I don't think they make it, but I think that they can make a run. I already told you, I think Atlanta could make a run. Arthur Smith, Matt Ryan, if they fix that defense, I think Atlanta's right there, as well as potentially New Orleans, because, well... They don't have Drew Brees anymore, but John Payne's still a great coach. They're always going to be right there in the mix. So that, to me, would be your potential fight down there for the wildcard spot between Seattle, Minnesota, Atlanta, and New Orleans for those two wildcard spots. But for the most part, we know that Tampa will make it. We know Green Bay will make it. We know Arizona and the Rams will make it. And we know, in my opinion, Dallas will make it. So there's a lot of stuff right now that, again, I believe the next year none of our football season is shaping right in the form, and we should have determined out death-wise whether some of these teams like the Giants, Washington, Chicago, Minnesota, where they finish, whether it's second or third in the division. All right, and with that, coming up next, right here on Brands World, it is the debut of Matty A's from Sports 101. We're going to be talking all things Cleveland sports. We'll see you in about five minutes right here at Brands World. All right, folks. Well, I am very proud of this moment because we have a brand-new guest Right here on Brands World. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the 
co-host of Sports 101, Maddie Hayes. Hello, that was a great introduction. Maddie, thank you for joining us today. Before we get into it, do you want to tell our viewers here on Umbridge Word about your show? Um, okay, so I co-host the show uh, Sports 101 with my best friend Gianna DiGeronimo. Uh, I call her Juge, but it's a good show. We um, it's pre-recorded, and we we talk more about we, we like to say like the tea of sports. Like we like we see it more of like a feminine perspective. Like we'll talk about like we'll talk about like what like needs to be like what what you need to know, and also the fun stuff that goes along with it. And we do a lot of fun interviews and stuff, so it's a fun time. So, Maddie, I don't know if you, if you know this or not, but you are making two historic presents right now oh in Brand World. <laughs> For the first time ever, we have a woman on our show. Woo! That is a first. We and love women. I can officially say, for the first time in the history of Black Score Radio, Brandon's World becomes the first show to host at least one member from every sports show this semester. Oh my gosh. Here, wait, I need to like give you an applause. We were kind of talking about this uh, before we came on air, but I, this is my first semester like in BSR and like with you and with Fitz, it has been such like a welcoming environment and I appreciate it so much. Well, thank you and yeah. we appreciate it as as well. And you know, we appreciate everything that you give us and of course, Gianna as well from two to three every yeah, Monday, yep. right here on BoxCoreRadio.com. All right, enough with the bushy stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's get into it. So let's start with the season that is mostly upcoming, and that is, of course, our beloved Cleveland Indians. Okay, who beloved. This season <laughs> is going to be a very interesting one, not only because it could be the last, as as, as the Indians mm-hmm. nickname. Obviously, we all thought it was going to be, and now yeah. it turns out it may not be. Yep. It's it's crazy. Uh, but my takeaway is a lot of people this year are down on the Indians, and mm-hmm. I don't understand why. The Indians, to me, still have a top two rotation in all of baseball, and these guys are young. We have a Cy Young phenom mm-hmm. in Shane Bieber, and as I detail the lineup at the start of my show, I don't think the lineup is going to be as bad as people think. No, I don't think the lineup um, is going to be bad. I think we're going to struggle in the places we always struggle. I mean, after we get through like the first top of our lineup, I feel like... Hitting's going to be kind of hard. I think the outfield's going to be hard. Um, it's hard for me because, I mean, I don't want to go into, like, a feminist rant here, but everything that went on with uh, Mickey Calloway. And sure. I just feel like, did you hear about, like, all that stuff yeah, or whatever? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and I feel like that all happened and there was no repercussions for it at all. And maybe there was, but, like, I didn't hear anything, which probably means there was nothing. Um, so it's hard for me to even, like... I oh well, I'm so nostalgic to the Indians and like I love them so much like you know it's the first sports team I'll like I've watched or whatever. Yep. But it's just hard for me that like someone that had that much power could just get away with that and then just like oh nothing happened. Yeah, I mean <laughs> organizations do that all the time and it's, it's sickening. It's so sickening because that's gonna be me in a few years. You know I'm gonna yeah. be the one in that position. No, it's it's true. But the funny thing is, is like we get all of these stories that come out about all this stuff all the time. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at what's going on right now with Deshaun Watson in, in right. the NFL, and then it's like either. They're out of the week completely, or things just blow over. Yeah, it's like, what? Okay, so, like, we're all mad on Twitter for, like, a week, and then what happens? That's, that's <laughs> like, what it, it's not even a week. It's like a day. Yeah, it's, it's like, this is a big story, and that's why I don't spend a lot of time talking about this stuff on my show. Yeah. Because what I always say is these cases take months to figure out. Mm-hmm. It's always he said, she said. Right. Nobody really understands the truth because nobody wants to come out and tell the truth. Yeah, seriously. And then things just blow over. 
that's why like I too like I don't know I feel like I have like a moral obligation or something to talk about it as like a woman in sports and like as a woman that has like a small very small platform but like something I'm like okay I want to keep talking about it so that we don't forget about it for sure yeah well and you know moving off Mickey Galloway you know <laughs> what what Carl Willis has done post Mickey Galloway because what's Mickey Galloway for uh, all yeah. that he did was a great pitching coach mm-hmm. and oh, I yeah. think that that's what people well you anyone know, are that like Tito brings in too like oh, that's God. the best thing the Indians have like we can be down in the dumps but as, and that's the hard part too because I'm like part of me is like fire Francona and the other part's like wait we, we can't fire Francona that's like all we have yeah and that's <laughs> yeah. the thing is I'm like as long as we have a Hall of Fame manager yeah the Indians are gonna be in playoff contention like this Seriously. this team is gonna be Fun to watch because it's going to be a bunch of young kids. Mm-hmm. I got. I'm so excited for for this Josh Naylor, the yeah. guy who popped last year in, in the wild card round. I think he's going to platoon to start the year with Jordan Lupo in right field, which makes mm, sense. Yeah, you, you know, you you can give Naylor some days off against left-handed pitching, but he's going to be a stud. I love the the Eddie Rosario signing out in left field. He's going to be your everyday left fielder yeah. in their middle-of-the-order power guy the Indians desperately needed. My only worry about the outfield is center field because they, they yeah. don't even know what they're doing. And I said this. I did my, I've did my i updated my lineup projections every week for the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. One week I had Oscar Mercado in there. <laughs> One week I had Bradley Zimmer in yeah, there. Zimmer. Now it looks like Ben Gamble, who I don't really know a lot about, but I heard he has some power, uh-huh. is going to be the starting center fielder. My takeaway is that they're going to do a bunch of, you know, try with Ben Gamble if yeah. he doesn't work. I think at the deadline, that's the position the Indians go after is my guess. And I feel like, too, it's going to be who's hitting. Like, I feel like whoever's hitting, they're going to throw out in center field, too. Yeah, and the thing is, like, with this Ahmad Rosario, who we know has transitioned now from, obviously, shortstop slash second base out to the outfield, he <laughs> has struggled mightily in spring training, which is not a good thing. Yeah. So my worry is... When, you know, potentially Gamble goes down, well, what do you do in center field? Because Naylor's not a center fielder. Rosario's not a center fielder. They just don't have the speed. Right. So, so and, you're an Indians fan? Yes. So you're an Indians fan and also an Eagles fan? I am a Indians fan. I am <laughs> a Eagles fan. And I have a quote-unquote Cavs fan. Okay. okay. I feel like, are you like a LeBron fan or? Like? You, you know, it's funny. When LeBron left the first time, I was still very invested in the Cavs. Yeah. And maybe it was because, you know, LeBron leaving, we, we were all mad at him. Yeah. But as we've gotten older, I realized, folks, for the last 20 years, LeBron is the Cavs. Oh, yeah. LeBron is literally the Cavs. And Le- LeBron left because he didn't have enough help the first time. I mean, time. you could say LeBron's the NBA. If you- he <laughs> is. Yeah. And this is what I've said. Now that LeBron is out, mm-hmm. like Zion Williamson is a great player. Oh, yeah. He's is, great. Is he going to be the next superstar? Of the- I just don't know if he's the new face of the NBA. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, and, you he's know. He's fun to watch. He's I've, super fun to watch. I've had this debate with tons of people about NBA ratings. Mm-hmm. It's a huge topic around the week because you think of the NBA ratings over the last couple of years, they've completely tanked. 
Some of that is because of, you know, maybe LeBron moving out west. Mm -hmm. You're not able to watch games. I think a lot of it had to do with what went on with the politics and the bubble because fans just don't want to see that. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. What I'm saying is we don't care what your opinion is. We just want to see you go play basketball. It's also hard to even find the Cavs game. Like, YouTube TV doesn't have it. Like, most places that have, like, live sports that, like, a lot of college students have, they don't even – they can they don't even get the Cavs game. So it's like, all right, well, I guess I'll watch it illegally on my laptop or something. But. Well, and the thing is, and this this is funny, Maddie. Yeah. Mentioning the Cavs here for the first time on Brent's Warden in over a year. No way. We are talking a full segment about the Cavaliers. Wow. For the and it is so good to be here on Brandon's World. Thank you. Well, my takeaway is with the Cavs. And I said this at the deadline. This is probably the last time I talked about the Cavs was last year at the deadline be- uh-huh. before COVID when they traded for Andre Drummond. Yep. <laughs> I came on here and ranted. <laughs> I said, why are you trading for a guy who has just been a staff patter in Detroit? It made no sense. He got a lot of money. And people, oh, mm-hmm. you got to sell tickets for Andre Drummond? tickets! <laughs> Oh, oh, well, we got to keep the competitive edge. And my takeaway is this. Just don't lie to me. Mm-hmm. If you come out and tell me, boys, we're going to go 0-82 for two years. Cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just don't say, oh, we're trying to be competitive. Well, like, let's talk about like how the Cavs tickets right now. I get an email like every time there's a game. It's like, Cavs tickets on sale, $5. I'm like, they can only have like 5,000 fans there right now. Like, how is it $5? <laughs> like... And the thing about this team is as much and as good as Colin Sexton has developed and as good yes. as Darius Garland could be, I believe in the NBA you cannot just win with guards. Mm-hmm. We've seen it even with Golden State. What did Golden yeah. State they need? They needed a Draymond Green. They needed Kevin Durant. Absolutely, yeah. The Lakers didn't even have scoring output from their guards <laughs> last year. It was all LeBron. Yeah. It was all Andy Davis. Yeah. You will get teams that are very guard-heavy. And I've always said the Cavs are bottling the Portland Trailblazers mm-hmm. with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. They're trying to recreate that with Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. I just don't understand it. Do you think the NBA is moving towards a more like guard-focused kind of NBA? Because I feel like the development of the three uh, three-point shot and everything, I feel like that's coming like more prominent than it. Like, it is, had. but it drives me crazy because <laughs> you're 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 trying to eliminate centers. And I don't know if 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 you know this, and maybe it's my Philly ties. I don't know. But I've always been the biggest fan of Joel Embiid. Like, he's yeah. one of my favorite players in the NBA. Yeah, I like him. Not just because of his personality. Because I've always loved people that are 7'2", that can dribble like a point guard, that can shoot. The Cavs just got a 7'2 guy. Yeah. Who, I don't, what's, he's German. I forget his name. But, uh... Uh, it's some guy from Denver that, yeah. that we got. But yeah. he doesn't have skills. <laughs> uh, he's 7'2". It's one or the other for the Cavs. Uh, I've always loved... Big men, like I've always loved yeah. big NBA men that can guard the rim. I still, I'm the only person that believes yeah. they still have a place in today's NBA. I think Anthony Davis is like the modern day big. Oh, he's, <laughs> you know he's I mean? great. I feel like that's what we're going to shift more to. You know, it's funny about AD, because I said this when he was in when he was in New Orleans. And I said this about Zion now, too. Mm-hmm. Why should I care about them? Because they are in New Orleans. Anthony yeah. Davis was a superstar. He didn't win in New Orleans. It took him getting out of New Orleans, being second behind LeBron, who's the greatest leader we've ever seen in our yeah, life. Yeah, but he's the perfect number two for LeBron. You oh, know? he's perfect. Because, like, everyone else, too, like, I feel like you saw with Kyrie and basically, like, anyone who's, like, LeBron's, like, number two, quote-unquote, is they get, like, a power ego or whatever, and they're like, oh, I don't want to be number two. Like, I'm just as good. And Anthony Davis is okay being the number two. He is okay with just being, like, 
along for the ride, I guess, or well, playing his part. And the interesting thing about the Lakers is, without LeBron and AD, they might be the worst team the in worst basketball. Team, yeah. Uh, I, I think about uh, that every MVP, like, every time they vote for an MVP, I'm like, are we going to, come on. <laughs> you know, let's, let's talk about MVP, because... Yeah. There's this year is going to be a weird MVP, obviously. Yeah. My argument: a lot of people are starting to make the argument for James Harden in Brooklyn. James. Uh. And I said, listen, this is not shaming James Harden. No. James Harden got fat <laughs> and said, I Who no knows? longer. Every time I see a picture of that guy, he looks way different. I don't know if he's fat or what. <laughs> James Harden got fat in Houston. Yeah. <laughs> and said, I no longer want to play in Houston. How can you give a guy an MVP who quit his way out of town? I don't know. Um, Literally every year, no matter who it is, maybe this is just me as an Akron girl, but I'm like, why is it not LeBron? It should be LeBron. LeBron <laughs> should be the MVP every year. They give it to yeah. different guys like Russell Westbrook, the one year he had a triple-double because he had a triple-double oh, yeah. every they day. People were crazy about the triple-double thing. Why were people every day? I was like, 18 triple I'm like, what? Who cares about the triple double? Their team's losing. You know why? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You know why? It's stat padding. Everybody loves yes, stats now. Everyone loves stats. I have been the biggest hater of Russell Westbrook for the longest time. Mm-hmm. I said, this dude, all he does is stat pad. He doesn't win. He's going to Washington to do the same thing. Just make a new award then. Don't call it the MVP. Like, that's my thing. I'm like, it's, it's, you're not, that's not value. That's not value to the team. Right. It, it is who has the best stats for the whole year. Yeah, literally. The most valuable player on every team is LeBron. Look at the Lakers. Before LeBron got there, they yeah. were a mess. Look at the Cavs after LeBron leaves. They were a mess. <laughs> Miami for three or four years after LeBron yeah. were a mess. Yep. They got lucky and rebounded because of the bubble situation, and that was all crazy yeah. last year. Love Jimmy Butler, too. Yeah, Jimmy Butler, man. I, he's such a fierce competitor. I, that Jimmy Butler is like me if I was a basketball player. Like, that's who I'd compare it to. That is a guy who was a number two I would pay for. Oh, absolutely. Wait, okay, so I, do you think that – how do you think when – LeBron come back or whatever. How do you think the Lakers are going to do this year? Do you think they have a solid chance still? So, do you think they're gonna, and solid chance means do you think they're going to win the championship? My takeaway is LeBron got lucky in one way because mm-hmm. the NBA season, I guess you'd call it expanded. It's starting in October. It started in December. Yeah. So the playoffs started later. If this was a regular season, LeBron might have been out the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal. It doesn't matter what seed they're in. If LeBron and AD are both back, yeah, the Lakers should be the favorite. Yeah. We we saw this in 1995, and I oh, and gosh. I am not a I history not buff yet. at all. <laughs> I was not a history buff at all, but I know this because I've said this fact so many times. The Houston Rockets in '95 were the number six seed because Akeem Olajuwon was hurt most of the year. Mm-hmm. They were going to be the number one seed, but he was hurt. We could see a similar situation like that this season because in the yeah. NBA, there's only been two teams in history that have not been a number one, two, or three seed that have won the championship. Mm-hmm. And that was, again, Akeem in 95 and the Celtics in the 60s with Bill Russell. That's it. So unless you're a top three seed, you really have no shot to win the championship unless you've been hurt the whole year like LeBron yeah. and then you come back and the Jazz and the Suns are waiting there who are not a real number one or number two seed, let's be honest. It's going to be interesting because I remember uh, two years ago when LeBron had like all that groin injury stuff and he like wasn't playing his best game. He also didn't have Anthony Davis then. like He didn't have the support with him. Um, and everyone was like, oh, he's washed. He's done. LeBron, like, we should appreciate him. Like He already had his prime. And I was like, uh-uh. He's gonna, you know LeBron. Like He's going to focus on his body. He's going to come back next year and he's going to be back. 
And look at him. Like, last year, he like, had one of his best seasons ever. And he should so, have been MVP last year. should have been MVP last year. So I'm saying, like, this year, especially because, like, he didn't get a lot of a break, too. Like, that, And he's 36. That man's tired. Give that man a break. They have a super team in the East now. Give that man a break. I would almost be okay with LeBron kind of cooling it this year and, like, really recovering and next year coming out guns firing are you worried now since this is his second injury in the last three years i i thought about this the, the other day yeah. for 16 years he never got hurt right then he pulled his groin and once you get old those injuries start they, to mount happen, yeah and even i i started noticing it his last year in cleveland when he would get those little nicks yeah he'd yeah. be down for a little much longer yeah so if you're the Lakers, I was shocked they didn't at least make a deal with the deadline or try to get. I don't know why they tried to get Kyle Lowry out of all people. Maybe they'll get Andrew Drummond. <laughs> I was. I thought you know maybe you try to go after Bradley Beal in Washington. Yeah. Give yourself an insurance policy because that's what Brooklyn has. <laughs> yeah. Now, my thought this year for the championship, and I said this in like the first week in February, and I'm proving to be right on this. Barring injury, as I've said. Yeah. Barring injury. The Lakers and Nets would meet in the finals. And I'm sticking Absolute, to oh, that. Absolutely. If absolutely. LeBron is healthy. Okay, if they were healthy, who's what who you got winning? This year I would if take the healthy, Lakers. 100%, Lakers. Because I think historically the first year of a big three do not win the championship. Mm-hmm. You look at Miami, the Cavs. I know Kyrie and Kevin Love got hurt, but we've seen that. I don't know if you can win the championship just by trying to outscore people. Yeah. And I think LeBron and AD, who on Brooklyn, I, Kevin Durant's obviously a seven-foot monster, yeah. but he's not the best defender. So who on Brooklyn is going to be in the post to guard Anthony Davis? I, I don't know if Brooklyn can guard him this year at least. I have so much am- animosity towards Kevin Durant. I really do not like him. He must. I really when, do when not Kevin like him. When Kevin went to Golden State, I defended him because I said, "Why? I did. I did defend him because that was the worst thing to ever happen in the NBA. It it was in retrospect, but I said, "You gotta leave Russell Westbrook, and you can go to Golden State. You can get your rings, and then you no, can go you somewhere can leave else. Russell Westbrook, but go somewhere else. Okay, that team was already historically the best team of all time. No, that, that's fair. Like that's ha- fair. And then and Kevin Durant wants to prove he's the best player of all time. It doesn't make sense. I mean, when you see LeBron almost beat Golden State by himself, it's he just He would have in 2018. I'll stand by that. Oh, I know. <laughs> if, if he didn't get so mad at J.R. Smith. He punched the big chalkboard. He would have. I'm telling oh, you. My God. And how dare he have J.R. Smith back on the Lakers? How dare he give him another ring? The funny thing I'm is so J.R. didn't even play. What? He didn't even play. He has his shirt off in the, the celebration. I'm like, you don't deserve that. <laughs> oh, how dare you? They almost had uh, Ty Lue coaching the Lakers. I'm like, that should be us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that should be us. I totally agree. <laughs> All right, so we, we got about 10 minutes left, so let's go to football now okay. with, with the Browns. You are repping your Browns shirt. Repping my, yeah, I, just, I walked in with my Browns, and Brandon's got his Eagles. We're just out here repping. Yeah, and as I said, it was a very rough day yesterday for me, but you've yeah. had the best season in your lifetime as a Browns fan. Boom. When I say this person's name, I just want to tell me what you think of him. Okay. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. I love Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield is has the Cleveland mentality. I think Baker Mayfield is Cleveland. I think exactly how we feel. Everyone is counting him out. I and I think Andrew Barry and Andrew Barry does a good job of picking those guys who have the Cleveland mentality. And Kevin Stefanski does a great job of nurturing them. They are just like the great power duo. And I love Baker Mayfield. 
So my only concern about Baker Mayfield is if you're going to pay him starting quarterback franchise money, I need to see him when you're down by two possessions in the Mm -hmm. fourth quarter, drop back, fire back when there's six minutes left in the game. And obviously you need one stop from your defense. But if you get that, can you come back and win the game? Oh, but I think towards the end of the season, Baker Mayfield was showing like, like star quarterback potential. Like he was making plays. I was like, that is a real deal, man. Like he was in there. And it's hard too because um whatever. Like, you know, he's new and he's short. Like he's doing his best. But I think with development and especially another year with Kevin like a full year now with Kevin Stefanski and like we're getting out of like COVID regulations. We're starting to get more into like real practices and whatnot. I'm really excited to see what Baker Mayfield's going to do this year. And the addition to the defense to me now puts the Browns over Baltimore because Baltimore lost Matthew Judon. I heard you say, um, I was listening on the way here, and you said the Browns are going to win the North. I was like... Like, there we go, Brandon. <laughs> I I was, you know, I was a little bit back and forth because I thought Baltimore's still very good. Yeah. But yep. when I look at it, I thought the Browns have all these additions. Baltimore has lost some of their additions. Mm-hmm. This is the Browns here. Pittsburgh's finishing in fourth. Okay. I'd love they, to hear it. They, they, ben Roethlisberger's done. Ben Roethlisberger's done. done. Juju Smith-Schuster's out there doing TikTok. Like, they can move to TikTok. They'll be good there. Yeah. So Pittsburgh's done. Cincinnati intrigues me. Yeah. They could be the worst best team in football. Okay. I like that statement a lot. I, I agree. I, like I that say statement. that because Joe Burrow is so fun to watch. Joe Burrow's the best. And I, Love again, Ohio boy. This, and this is where I'm stuck on Baker Mayfield because I look at a guy like Joe Burrow, and when I watch Joe and Baker go head ahead, I see Joe Burrow's a way better core, at least in my mm. eyes. Yeah. So when I see that, I'm like, Okay, Cincinnati, you just got to fix your defense. Get some offensive line. Like, they're Same coming. Same with the Browns, though. You got to fix your defense. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, they're coming. So that worries me as a Browns. And, and I've always said this because I'm an Eagles fan. I'm technically a Browns observer. Okay. Well, you have to be. That means I care about the Browns, but they're not my number one team. I love that. But obviously, I root for them in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. You know, and the funny thing about the game against Kansas City was you could make an argument if Mahomes didn't get hurt, they could get blown out. You could also make the argument for Jordan Higgins makes that catch. The Browns win the game. And yep. then you got all these fans. The referees are against Cleveland. <laughs> and it's like, folks. Let us have it, though. Let us have that. The it's, referees it's like, are against us. There's only one referee in the history I've heard of who's been biased against a team, and that was the latest NHL referee who just got fired for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. I, I read that story somewhere. But the... There's a conspiracy theory out there that everybody hates Cleveland. That's how it feels. I think as a Cleveland fan, that's how, that's how it feels. It, it, that, that is how like it feels. God hates Cleveland. But it feels a lot of way. It feels like God hates me for being an Eagles fan right now, for making fun of the Browns for two years. You guys had a great year a couple years ago. I was so happy for the Eagles. It, it was like, okay, the Browns got Hugh Jackson. They got Freddie Kitchens. We got Doug <sighs> Peterson. Now it's completely reversed. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, what did I get myself into? I remember into? when we hired Freddie Kitchens, and everyone was so excited about him. And I'm just like, why? I'm like, why are we happy about this? And they're like, what no. The hell? I know everyone. 
everyone's like, Freddie Kitchens. I'm like, he does not look like the man for the job. I'm like, look at all these young players with big personalities. Does this man look like he's going to lead these guys? I'm like, no. And then we got Kevin Stefanski. I was like, there it is. I'm like, that's the man. The the funny thing about Stefanski was I, you know, I talked to a, a lot of, of Vikings fans th- that I know, and I got mixed reactions of Stefanski. Yeah. Some people said he was great. Some people said it wasn't him at all. It was all Gary Kubiak. So I was yeah. like, okay, what do I think of Stefanski? Listening to his press conferences, they are amazing. Yes. Like, he's so good at the microphone. I'll tell you, as an Eagles mm-hmm. fan, Doug Peterson was the worst head coach ever at the microphone. <laughs> he was a great leader. That's yeah. why I love him. He's a great coach. That dude couldn't speak in a microphone for his life. Well, I was super lucky, and I was working at ESPN Cleveland when we hired Spansky, so I got to be in the studio when he was doing the interview yeah. and stuff. Oh, my gosh. And I remember just the way he talked. He reminds me a lot of, actually, Coach Lewis for Kent State. They're both, like, they have very similar vibes to me. But I remember just, like, listening to him talk, and, like, his whole – I always talk about like, the Cleveland mentality, but yep. it's just something I can just tell when someone has. And I just think I like I was hearing him talk, and I was like, "He's the guy, man. He's the guy." So when you take a look at the at the, at the Browns next year, yeah. and you may hate me for this, I think that they are going to make the. I don't think that they're going to make the Super Bowl. Okay. I think that there are a lot of teams in their way. Kansas City's still in their way. Buffalo's yeah. in their way. The team that I have that to me nobody's talking about. Maybe my bias towards Carson Wentz and Frank Reich. Okay. Here come the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. And I'm I, here for it. Okay. And I have said, and you may kill me for this too. I weighed this out a couple weeks ago. If there is a chance for a new dynasty in the NFL, because we're always looking for the next dynasty. Okay. It's the Colts, I think. I think that they have the quarterback, the coach, the running game, the weapons, the defense. Yeah. Like, I think they have everything. And that team reminds me so much of the 2017 Eagles, the yeah. way they're built. I'm telling you, folks, look out for the Indianapolis Colts. They may be the Hot biggest right challenger. Here. They may be the biggest challenger. But Buffalo, Kansas City, the Browns, they are all in this mix. Mm-hmm. Those four teams, it is going to be a dog fight. Yeah. For the AFC Championship. And Baltimore is still going to be there. I didn't even mention Baltimore in those four. You know, you talk about Dynasty, and it, it's fun as, like, a Browns fan. Because usually, like, when Cleveland does put together, like, a good team, it's like, all right, it's all or nothing this year. Because, you know, by next year, it's going to be gone. But, like, what's fun about, you know, Stefanski and Andrew Barry and just everyone there is, like, they're all seem pretty happy to be in Cleveland. It almost seems like this is something that will be consistent. Like, well, it doesn't just, it doesn't feel like it's this year or bust. It's like, okay, we could be good this year and then build on it, which is, like, so exciting to see. And Andrew Barry and Kevin Savansky changed the culture. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Overnight. Yes. From a <laughs> overloaded Big Mac-looking buffoon. And before that, you had a guy who couldn't coach. He's not sparring with people on Twitter for calling a flea uh, flicker at his own goal line in the snow with RG. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, I'm really, like, you talk about changing the culture. I can't stop smiling. Like, they just make me so happy. And I'm really excited about uh, Tack McKenley, too. Oh, that. It's, and John Johnson. John Johnson. Troy Hill. Troy like, Hill. I'm so happy for for you Browns fans. The only yeah. thing that I get upset now with Browns fans is when you guys start the Super Bowl, Super Browns Let us have crap. it. Let us have it. It's all crap. We've had nothing. You <laughs> We've had breadcrumbs. This is what happens when you talk a big game. Usually yeah. you fall down. All right, well. That's if, fine. If, if you don't mind, I would like you to stick around for maybe 10 more minutes yeah, or so. Yeah, for sure, for sure. 
So let's go ahead, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to get your thoughts on the NCAA tournament. Ooh, okay. Both the men and and the women's, because I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, the women's have all favorites. Mm-hmm. One. For the, I have not watched any own. of it. So. I'm surprised. <laughs> As a, okay, so, you know, let's not take a break. Let's just stay here, because I'm so interested okay. in this. So, like, literally, it's so sad. I've been so busy. I feel like I have not watched. I watched, last weekend, I dedicated my whole life to watching the the March Madness tournament. Yeah. And then my bracket got shot. Like, this is the first year my bracket yeah. has just been, like, terrible. Um, and I don't know. I've just been so busy. I really haven't watched that much of it. I'm about to go I'm about to go uh, call Enzo and maybe Fitz and be like, hey, you guys want to come on the show or something talk about it? Because I know nothing right now. I am interested as a woman why you haven't watched much of the women's NCAA. Yeah. Tournament. I mean, honestly, I planned on it. And then I just got busy with it and everything. I have a bracket. But I literally, like, I just... Uh, I just got really busy, and I didn't even have a chance. I haven't watched any of the men's either this week. So, I haven't really watched a lot this year, too. And part of the reason why I said so is because we didn't have a Zion Williamson-like player. Yeah, I and definitely agree. that's what has hurt the NCAA tournament, in my opinion. This year, we didn't have a Duke. We didn't yeah, have... Yeah, plus the first round, all our favorite teams got out. Yeah. And it's like, what? I mean, <laughs> Owen Roberts, are you kidding But you know what? It's fun, though. That makes for fun. It's fun that way where compared to, like... You know, college football, where it's like, all right, it's either going to be the same three teams, but like for bracket wise, well, <laughs> like and, and this is the talk of college sports because you know everybody always says, do you really hate dynasties that much? Because the only sport that we don't see a dynasty in is college basketball. No, oh, yeah, you know, and that's, but that's what also as I think what makes a lot of people like college basketball more fun than NBA, or you know what I mean, like just like the, the way they try and these little teams they have hope to win the games and. It makes college basketball more fun for me. Yeah, I mean, the thought is, you know, with the NBA, there's only three or four teams every year that can win yep. a championship. In college basketball, I mean, I hate to anyone. say it, probably 60 of the 64. Maybe it's not, anyone's game. Maybe not the 16 seed, yeah. but 60 of the 64 teams probably have a shot to win the, the NCAA championship. Yeah. So the bracket that I printed out, this was my official Brandon's okay. World printed out bracket. Oh, I'm so excited. Was completely the worst bracket in the history of college basketball. I love that. It's so fun. And I do not watch college basketball at all. So I do this straight off. I did it pretty much based off records and, you know, knowledge of big schools, small schools. I want to see it. But my, <laughs> okay, my final four was Gonzaga, okay. BYU, okay. Baylor, and San Diego State. Okay. I I had San Diego State going okay. the whole way. I, I had, had Illinois. The... I thought Illinois was a was a great bet. I'm like Illinois. Okay. They've been so fun to watch all year. Guaranteed bet. So I'm gonna hand you my bracket. Before I do, let me explain the color coding system I have. Oh boy. Okay. The the yellow is the games I got right. The okay. teams I got right. The blue is the teams I got wrong. There is so much more blue than there is yellow. <laughs> and the kind of pen written. Is like the the actual matchups that are gonna happen in the Sweet Sixteen, oh, so I can say it once. Okay. So, here's my bracket. Thank you. It is the worst bracket. That's a lot of blue. In the <laughs> yes, it is a ton of blue. Let's see. It is the worst bracket in the history. You had of Ohio winning. Bracket. Ohio beating Virginia. That was a good bet. I debate on that a lot. See, I had Ohio, and I thought Cleveland State would at least give Houston a game. I had Cleveland yeah. State winning one game. That uh, the thing about OU, that it, was not good. I think OU is the perfect kind of the way they play. So like very fast pace was the perfect 
matchup for Virginia. Like, they had the perfect chance to win against Virginia. My biggest worry about Gonzaga is mm-hmm. it's so hard to remain undefeated. The pressure's going to get to them. I think they make it to the national championship, and whoever they play, they lose. Oh, man, it's so rough. You got San Diego State here. They got <laughs> knocked out in the first round. Man, my dad had Michigan State. And I'm like, ah, oh, dad. <laughs> Weren't they in a play-in game that got eliminated? Yup. <laughs> Might have Michigan State like almost winning it all. Like, no, oh, I man. I see now. Speaking of Michigan, the now basketball school, not football school, yeah. Michigan <laughs> University. Or if you will have them go into the Elite uh, Eight Final Four now, I think they could beat. There we go. So I I think Michigan gets beat. Like I don't see Michigan making it to the Final Four. Do you? Oh no. I mean, uh, who are they playing next? Let's see here. So we have <laughs> Michigan. They're gonna play. See, is this correct? So they're going to play Florida State. I have Florida State. Florida State. Michigan. I'm going to give that to Florida State. Yep. So we have Michigan going on in the Sweet 16. So that would mean pretty much Gonzaga and Baylor are the only two number one seeds alive. Yeah. And so my my point was I got this right before the whole bracket thing went down. Yeah. You're not going to pick, you know, more than two number one seeds generally. Yeah. I don't think I had, you know, besides Cleveland State, maybe pulling an upset, no number 15 seed pulling an upset. Like, to me, when you look at the upset, you're looking at 4 to 13 Five, twelve, yeah. that's six, eleven, right? Range. Like kind of more, uh, more likely to happen upsets. See, there. yeah. I don't understand how they do the seating for this thing. <laughs> yeah, because I know. my thought was, if you win the Big Ten, shouldn't you get like a number one or number two seed? The Big Ten's hard though. I feel like, well, going in, I would have said Big Ten was like the best, the best. Uh, like school. Like yeah, like the all, best schools there. Like, I mean, the whole year they had, like, tough schedules. They were playing a lot. I thought Big Ten was to come out here and dominate, and that has not been the case. So, so. Uh, <laughs> our friend Christian Hidden, who, of course, hosts the Christian Hidden Experiment every Tuesday right here at 6 8 p.m. on BlackShowRadio.com, made an out. interesting analogy about Ohio State. Okay. He said that the Ohio State program as a whole, whether it's football or basketball, is like the L.A. Dodgers in baseball. They would give you so much fun. They would say, this is the year that we're going to win the national championship. And then they would get eliminated mm-hmm. or they would, you know, get to the final four and not make it. And the basketball team's been disappointing. Like, this should have oh, been the yeah. year. Uh. And his takeaway was like, if Ohio State can even make it to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight this yeah. year, what's going to tell me that next year they're going to come back and do it well, again? Ohio State, they got a new coach, correct, right, this year? I, to be honest, I'm not even okay, sure. So they got, I can't even they got the new, I don't know his name. They got a new coach, and his big thing is recruiting. Like, they got this coach there because, like, his big thing that everyone's like, he's so good at recruiting. And I'm like, well, first of all, hopefully this, like, gets Ohio State of more of a consistent basketball contender. But I'm like, why is Ohio State not good at basketball? They have every resource to be good at basketball. It's Ohio State. Like, I don't, I don't understand why it's, like, hard to recruit for them. I'm like, Ohio State should be a good basketball school, too. Well, shout out to one of our professors at this university, Coach Coach Nemec. I don't know if you've had his class yet. I have for, not, For yeah. history and, and philosophy of sport. He is a great storyteller. Oh, well, man. I'm not allowed to say one of the words that he said on air, but let's just say, as he would say, recruiting is hard as bleep. <laughs> And it's true, and I think that that's yeah. part of the reason why, you know, some college coaches don't do well in the pros, because it's so oh, hard to different, recruit. Oh, different, total different. Uh, like, when we had a, 
oh gosh, I'm gonna butcher names now. But we had that Michigan coach playing for the Cavs. I'm like, that doesn't or like coaching for the Cavs. John B. Line. John yep. B. Line. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm just like, I don't even know how that's gonna work. Like, and and no one would know that more than me than when the Eagles went out innovatively, and I thought it was a good hire at first. Chip Kelly. I just, I never, I just think college and pro is just two different worlds. So then with with Urban Meyer then, because you're a big Ohio State fan. Yeah. Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville is so interesting. Be- yeah. <laughs> because Trevor Lawrence will work to me with anybody, any coach. He is, I, I said this right before you came in. I said the people that don't think that Trevor Lawrence is going to be good in the NFL are now just sick and tired of talking about him. Because we've heard about him for four yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. It's like what they did with Andrew Luck when RG3 came in the league. Well, could RG3? No. Okay. A- Andrew Luck was a can't-miss prospect. Trevor Lawrence is a can't-miss prospect. Yeah. I'm curious, will he work with, with Urban Meyer? Yes, I think Urban Meyer does a good job with his quarterbacks, like, in in the past, I think that's where he'll probably thrive as an NFL coach is probably like his one or more relationships with his players, especially the quarterbacks. Um, will Urban Meyer do well? I think he'll probably do average as yeah. an NFL coach. Well, I think he'll do average. And he's in a hard division, man. Tennessee's still there. Yeah. I already mentioned Indy. I think Indy is coming down people's throats. Man, I thought I thought the reason Urban Meyer like I mean obviously he had all that scandal and stuff at OSU. I thought he was like dying. That's how they yeah. made it sound. I, I thought mean, he had some serious health issues. It did, and now he's back. And now coaching. he's just coaching the NFL. Like, it, what? It makes you wonder, and maybe he just thought his time at Ohio State was up. Yeah. I, I, obviously, he, he had health issues. Yeah. But I think if he wanted to get back in the college football game, yeah. he could have. I honestly, though, I like Ryan Day better. Yeah. I like Ryan Day better. I think he's more. You know, and I, yeah. and I hate to say this, and I hate to to interrupt, but I always, no, on the air, I said Urban Meyer, to me, was always a little bit of an overrated football coach. Mm-hmm. I never thought he was this top two wizardry. I thought Ohio State's offense at times with him was very predictable. <sighs> So, it's funny because in, like, my family, my mom, she grew up with Urban Meyer, and they actually dated in high school, so... She dated Urban Meyer. In high school. So Folks, this... we just got some breaking news right here on the show. He's this close to my dad. This close. I'm just kidding. I, I am mind, so, mind blown. Like, it's so funny because, like, my, they grew up together, so, like... Urban Meyer's like my mom's like oh there's Urban you know like it's like oh like he's like a not a friend but my mom acts like he's like a friend of ours um so I always I don't know I always like I always thought he was like someone great I'm like oh my gosh but it's so funny I literally I think Ryan Day does a better job with Ohio State football I agree. All right. Yeah. Well, we gotta leave it there. Okay, Maddie. I appreciate you c- coming on. Make sure you come on at at any time. If you ever want me to come on for sports one oh one at the end please of the semester, do. let me know and I will make an appearance before the end of the semester. Oh, so thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. Thank you for joining us. Do you want to go ahead really quickly and shout out your your social handles, your sports? Yes. Stuff? Okay. Follow sports one oh one on Twitter at sports one oh one BSR. Uh, that's on Twitter. And follow me on Twitter. M hey M H A A A Y Y. I'm super fun. Um, that's really it. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Maddie. Folks, coming up next, right here on Brands World, we are gonna be talking about the top ten events of the sports year. I have broken down what, in my opinion, are the top ten sports events on the calendar. So thank you, Maddie, for joining us. And we'll be right back here on Brands World. Folks, we got a caller on air, so let me go ahead and put this caller on. Caller, hello. You are live on Brand's World. Hey, Brandon. 
Hey, Enzo, how's it going, man? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, still a little shocked from yesterday you called in and uh, that whole draft trade going on with the Niners, the Eagles, Dolphins. That's still shocked me. I had to upload the up episode immediately after the show because that was just such breaking news, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still in shock. So, hey, Enzo, what's on your mind today, buddy? I was, uh, I was listening to your show because I'm on the road right now. I'm, going, I'm taking a little, like, weekend trip for me. And, you know, I was listening, I listened to you and Maddie. You did a great job. But I want to get back into, like, you're talking, like, the NFL today. And I agree with uh, mostly all, all you said when it comes to who's going to be in first, like, AFC, the East, Buffalo, AFC North. That's that's a still competitive division. I won't. I know that seems like the Browns or Ravens will take it, but don't count out the Steelers or maybe even Cincinnati too, depending if they upgrade their offensive line. And I, I agree with you the same way when it comes to the South, either Indianapolis or Tennessee, and the West. I can't remember who you say was going to win the AFC West. Oh, Kansas City, duh. And then I think the NFC was mostly, except for the East, I think Washington's going to win it. I, I, I think Dallas would be good, but their whole thing with Zeke and everything and Mike McCarthy is still their coach, that's still bothering me. And I just think Washington had, had a decent, decent offseason. So I got a question for you real quick, Enzo. Do you believe that Ryan Fitzpatrick will start all 16 games for Washington? I mean, the the Cowboys, to me, though, Enzo, are the, are the only team in the division that you know right now their quarterback is going to start all 16 games. We can't even say that about Jalen Hurts in Philly or Daniel Jones in New York. So as long as Dallas has the best quarterback in the division, I think Dan Quinn at defense will make their defense somewhat better, at least make them good enough that I think that they can make a run and win the terrible NFC East. Hey, I got one minute left. Do you got anything else on your mind, buddy? Anything else? Um, just, you know, round two of the tournament starts today. Looking forward to that. I wonder if upsets will happen. I know you and Maddie were talking about uh, Michigan-Florida State. I just have a feeling Michigan's just going to win that. I think Michigan is more of a basketball school than football. I like what Juan Howard's been able to do with the program and bring it back to the days when he played with Jalen Rose and Chris Weber in the famous Fab Five. And Michigan basketball going back to glory. I think they will make the final four, Michigan. I, and when it comes to football, Jim Harbaugh still hasn't figured out how to beat Ohio State. So 
For sure. All right, Enzo. Well, I appreciate you calling in. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, general always, make sure you check out Enzo Orlando along with Trumpet Show on Pass the Mic every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. right here on BucksRollRadio.com. Thanks, Enzo. All right. You're welcome, Brian. All righty. So, again, that was Enzo Orlando. Let me go ahead and drop the call right here. There we go. That was Enzo Orlando for Pass the Mic calling in. Thank you, Enzo. All right. Well, as I teased right before we went to break, so there are a lot of things that have happened over the year already in sports. A lot of people think that March Madness is the best time of the year in sports. I don't think that. You know, I think there's a lot of other events that are better than March Madness, at least in my opinion. So I thought, okay, what are the top 10 events in sports of the year? Now, by events, I mean, you know, they could last a couple weeks. They could last a series. They could last a day. So what do I get most excited for generally in sports over the year? And this, by the way, includes wrestling as well. So WWE, MLB, NBA, and the NFL. So without further ado, let's get into it. These are my top 10 sporting events. Of the year. Number 10. So my number 10 event will be the WWE Draft. Now, the WWE Draft right now happens in October. And to me, one of the most exciting things about the WWE Draft is the potential for new rivalries. You know, we never know who's going to be joining Monday Night Raw. We never know who's going to be joining Friday Night SmackDown. So it's a potential to create new, new rivalries, and it creates the year, setting up the storylines for WrestleMania each year. So number nine for me is the NFL Draft. Now, I don't want to be why the NFL Draft a lot higher on their list. Here's my argument about the, the, the NFL Draft only being number nine on this list. The NFL Draft for me is more for death purposes. So for me, free agency is more exciting because you get the ability to add a superstar piece. Like Tom Brady, like, like other competitors, I do not believe that the you know NFL draft puts you over the top every, every single year. I think it's a lot more drawn out. You get a lot more bust than you do it. So for me, the NFL draft is only number nine on the list. So number eight for me is March Madness. Again, I know a lot of you have this at number one or number two, but for me, the thing is with March Madness is if we don't have a kid like Zion Williamson in there, for me, there is no reason to watch the tournament. You're rooting for a bunch of schools like Loyola, Chicago, and Sister Jean that nobody really knows a lot about. And so, you know, it's parody. You know, it's exciting to see some of these updates. But it doesn't get me out of bed in the morning and say, oh my God, I cannot wait to watch March Madness. Let's go to number seven. Number seven. So number seven for me is the MLB playoffs slash the World Series. I combine both of these into one because it's just one big October. You never know what's going to happen in October. Legends rise in October. Pitching matters. The weather gets colder out. Both ends generally win. And as I've talked about, you know, generally wild card teams. This isn't like the NBA where only, you know, one, two, or three teams can make the championship. Generally, wild card teams can make the World Series. And so it is October Madness. And that's why it's number seven on the list. 
Number six on the list is the NFL schedule release. To me, that's one of the most underrated events on the calendar every single year. This comes out generally in, in April or May. And it's not who you play, it's when you play them. You know, the Browns, they have Kansas City this year. They have, you know, uh, the Chargers. They have other tough teams that I can't think of right now off the top of my head. Obviously, in their division, Baltimore. But it's not when you, or it's not who you play, it's when you play them. And, you know, you're trying to figure out when's your division rival. When's your bye week? You know, what's our last game of the year like? Is it home? Where do we have to travel to? What's our miles look like? So the end of our schedule is to me gets you very excited. It gets you a realistic chance because when you play somebody, it could be a difference between, let's say, eight and nine wins in a season. Let's go to number five now. NFL opening weekend slash the NFL opening night of the season. At this point, all 32 teams are, are in it. We've had a long offseason of no football. We've had to deal with baseball. We've had to deal with basketball. But guess what, folks? The NFL is back in September. It's one of the most exciting times of the year because there are going to be teams that you think are going to be great, like I thought the Philadelphia Eagles were last year, and they fall on their face. There's going to be teams that you don't think are going to be good, and they rise to the cream of the top. And there's going to be teams like Tampa Bay who struggle early, and then late in the year, take advantage and go out and, and win the Super Bowl. So one of the most exciting times of the year is NFL opening night. Number four, the NFL playoffs, where the end city is at an all-time high. This is not a series. It is winner take all the AFC, you know, wild card round, the championship, the divisional round, all of those rounds for the AFC and the NFC, folks. It is intensity. It's football at the highest level. And to me, besides the Super Bowl, it's one of the greatest events of the year in the National Football League. Number three is the Royal Rumble. Besides WrestleMania, Royal Rumble to me has overtaken SummerSlam as the second biggest WWE area on the calendar. The Royal Rumble is where we set up a lot of our WrestleMania feuds. And believe me, there has been no better match in the WWE than Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble is the most unpredictable match in the history of WWE. We have no idea who's winning and the anticipation from coming down from number 30 to number one is just one of the best times of the year. Wait January, folks, when WWE really picks up for the year. Number two will be WrestleMania! And of course, this year, WrestleMania 37 will be live in Tampa, Florida. Folks, I didn't even have time to get to it today, but there is a storyline that will made of that night of WrestleMania that I cannot wait to get to next week. But WrestleMania is the pageantry. It is 75,000 people coming from all over the country to watch wrestling. It is the Super Bowl of WWE, and it is the best WWE event of the year, bar none. WrestleMania is the second most event I look forward to on the calendar year, and I cannot wait to April 10th, April 11th to just sit, chill, and watch great wrestling from the best damn company in the world. WrestleMania 37, Table Florida, April 10th, April 11th. And folks, here we go. The number one sporting event for me of the whole year is... Number one! The Super 
football! This is the greatest football game in the Israel planet Earth. The best team from the AFC, the best team from the NFC. Clash for bragging rights. It's one of the saddest days of the year because it means there's no football. But we get our party food on, we eat, we stuff our faces, we get fat so we can exercise for seven months so we can eat again watching football. Uh, the Super Bowl, man. We're almost a hundred million people the whole world. Watch the Super Bowl. It's great because the greatest sport in the world puts their two best teams on center stage. And we can see who will be the ultimate champion of the ultimate league. All right, folks. And with that, those are my top 10 events in the sporting year. Again, number 10, the Dewey Draft. Number 9, the NFL Draft. Number 8, March Madness. Number 7, the MLB Playoffs and the World Series. Number 6, the NFL Schedule Release. Number 5, NFL Opening Weekend slash Opening Night. Number 4, the NFL Playoffs. Number 3, the Royal Rumble. Number 2, WrestleMania. And number 1, the Super Bowl. Now, I separate NFL Playoffs and the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl is a game all on its own, folks. Well, that will conclude our show today. Thank you to Matty A's and Sports 101 for coming on. Matty, you can come on anytime. Thank you to Angela Lane over past the mic for calling in. Great show today, guys. Loved it all. Looking forward to opening day of the Indians on Thursday. I know we will talk about that next Saturday. Quick reminder, next Saturday's show will be a 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. show. We are going three hours, and it is our final show on Brands War. the final finale, and believe me, it's going to be awesome. So, catch you there. We will dive into the WrestleMania card, and folks, I'm just going to say this on the show. If you're not watching Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, if you're not into this Edge, Daniel Bryan, and Roman Reigns storyline, I don't know what you're doing. You are missing out on the best WWE storyline since the Daniel Bryan story at WrestleMania 30. And with that, folks, we're going to go ahead and go to there. Once again, I am Brandon Lewis, your general manager of Bugs Go Radio, and we will see you next week for the conclusion of Brandon's World. It's been a long three years. But next week, we conclude. And we will see you then. Have a good day. Peace!